All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote, it's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they've also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash Just News. Hello, America. Happy Monday. Lots going on in the world. There were some big election integrity rulings over the weekend, a victory for the Republicans in Michigan, another victory in New York State over no excuse absentee balloting, a judge striking down the idea that just because people are afraid of COVID, they get to vote by absentee without changing the law or the Constitution. In the second half of the show today, Natalia Middlestad, our great election integrity reporter, she's going to join us to bring us up to speed on all of these rulings. But first, we're going to start the show today with a stroll through all of the crises in the world, much like we did on Friday with Fred Flight's former CIA station chief for Moscow, Daniel Hoffman, one of the country's premier Russian experts. I mean, he knows they're having lived in Moscow as the top spy for the CIA in Moscow. He knows Vladimir Putin. He knows the KGB. He knows the military. And I think he's going to help us get below some of the top line headlines in the Russia-Ukraine war and get below it to tell us what's really going on. What are the dynamics? Where is the Biden administration succeeding and failing? And he had a recent column, I think it was in the Washington Times, my old newspaper where I used to be the editor-in-chief, He talked about the need for Biden to reclaim the narrative, that his State Department particularly had failed to own the narrative. We're always reacting to Vladimir Putin's storytelling rather than own the narrative ourselves. I want to ask him about that. We're going to cover a lot of stuff. We also could talk about Iran, China. A lot of people worried about China, the top naval officer in the country warning this weekend that China very well could invade Taiwan in the next year, meaning that the U.S. hasn't been able to deter China from taking such an extreme action. That is something else that we'll be talking to Dan Hoffman about. So two great guests. We're going to jump right in. We had one fun story I want to point out on the top of the podcast here. It was about the census. Now, a lot of times census stuff is about numbers, and this is about numbers too, but this is also about questions of political integrity and data integrity at the census. Congressman Troy Nels provided us a letter he sent the census director over the weekend that raises some very serious concerns about the 2020 count. This is our national population count. He notes that a half dozen Republican states were undercounted, his state included, Texas, while a half dozen blue states were overcounted. 
And he says he doesn't think that's an accident. He fears that the partisanship of bureaucrats may have contributed to the sloppy counting. And that's a very big allegation. But the Census Bureau itself admits that it's not happy with the way it counted humans in the 2020 census, that it was off. It did its own error-correcting audit. Here's the problem. The error-correcting audit lets you know what the count was off, but it's not going to change things. States that should have gotten an extra congressional seat like Texas won't. States that shouldn't have kept one are going to keep that seat. Apportionment data from budget allocations, all impacted by the erroneous counting of the Census Bureau. That's a very important story. Undercounting red, overcounting blue. Hmm, sounds a lot like some of the other bureaucratic uh, issues that have occurred in Washington that make a lot of people think that their bureaucracy is leaning to the left, or certainly at the very least, not treating conservatives and the right very fairly. That's a really good story. Go check that out. Congressman Troy Nell's got the letter out and a really good data on a lot of bunch of stuff that's been going on. So, all right, folks, before we go to the commercial break, a lot of you enjoy the time that we have with Philip Patrick from Birch Gold Group. Every time he comes on the podcast, we get a level of insight in analysis that it's, it's hard to, to cut through. And he makes sense of the economy. And he's been right about every twist and turn of the economy. He started telling us over a year ago, long before the Treasury Secretary uh, Yellen recognized it, that inflation wasn't transitory. It was going to be persistent. He was right about that. He said that interest rates were going to need to go up substantially to stop it. They didn't. Then the Fed said, hey, we do. He was right about that. We, uh, and now we saw three consecutive 75 basis points increases in the interest rate and a lot more to come. He warned about stagflation, that the landing from inflation would be a hard landing that would be recessionary. Nearly every CEO in the country has caught up to Philip on that. And so we're lucky to have someone of his expertise and, and foresight and ability to see over the horizon better than most. And people say, well, you know, he talks about all the great ways that we can protect ourselves. Can you remind us one more time, John, what that is? And the answer is, I sure can. Birch Gold Group, where Philip works, has created this extraordinary no obligation pamphlets, what 20 page document. It educates you on how you can bring gold into a tax sheltered retirement account. So your 401ks, your IRAs, probably taking the beating in the marketplace the last few months. Most people have seen 20, 25-30% reduction in their retirement value of their retirement accounts. Gold is a stabilizing force, as Philip often talks about in our interviews. And of course, they're an incredible strategic partner, sponsor, advertiser for Just the News. But if you want to, this kit will really, I didn't even know that you could bring precious metals into a retirement fund. Uh, and then I got this 20 page kit and I'm like, wow, this is amazing. It's tax sheltered. Uh, it's stabilizing in a, in a terrible market right now. We're in a bear market. So if you want to get started, this is what people have been asking me and, and direct messaging me over the last few days. All you got to do is text the word just news, one word to 989898. One more time, just news. Text it to 989898. Birch Gold's going to send you the free info kit. You're going to learn how to use gold to hedge your bets in this very tough economy, how to protect your savings, how to keep it tax sheltered the way your 401ks and uh, IRAs already work, but with precious metals in the portfolio. Pretty remarkable offer. And again, people ask me all the time. I just want to remind you, text the word just news, one word to 989898. That'll get you started. All right, we're going to take that commercial break. When we come back, Dan Hoffman up first, followed by my good colleague, Natalie Middlestadt here at Just the News. We're going to go from Russia to election integrity and everything in between over the next half hour. Stay tuned right after the commercial break. 
Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you out at your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down, my blood sugar is down, my weight's down, my health is up, my sleeping patterns are better, my metabolism is up. If you wanna experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you out at your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down, my blood sugar is down, my weight's down, my health is up, my sleeping patterns are better, my metabolism is up. If you wanna experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. Always excited to have this next guest on. He makes a complicated world more simple to understand, but he also understands the nuance. A lot of time in the media, we we fall for the top lines of stories, and there's a much more subtle part of foreign policy and national security that we're not thinking about. He always makes sure we catch that point. He is Dan Hoffman, one of the CIA's great officers, now retired and still doing a lot of great work. Dan, great to have you back on the show. Oh, thanks a lot for having me. It's a great way to start my Monday morning or... Monday afternoon, I guess. Yeah. Well, we love starting Monday with you as well. It's pretty exciting. 
I want to make sense of a little bit of the posturing going on. Now, obviously, there was this announcement in Russia state media. Hey, there's going to be a dirty bomb in Ukraine. We might have to take action in advance. And on the flip side of it, Zelensky started teasing that maybe he's ready for some negotiations at some point. Tell us the real undertow. What's really going on here versus what our eyes and ears sometimes make us think is going on? Yeah, so I watch the Russian uh, state TV on a pretty regular basis just to kind of see what Vladimir Putin, what lies and propaganda he's spewing. Uh, And remember, you know, his formative experience was serving in the KGB and as director of Russia's ruthless federal security police, the FSB. And so when the Russian, uh, and I use this word kind of loosely there, news, you know, broadcasters were talking about a Ukrainian dirty bomb in the city of, in the town of Mykolaiv, uh, look, that's just, that's absolutely not possible. The Ukrainians would do anything like that. They would obviously not have interest in, in exploding a nuclear device in their own territory, nor do they have access to one. Uh, but the reason why the Russians would be saying this is that they know uh, that the United States would consider that uh, just a provocation, that this is Vladimir Putin saying, I'm going to explode a nuclear device and blame the Ukrainians. That's what Russia does. And we would see that as a threat that Russia would actually launch a tactical nuclear weapon in Ukraine. Uh, and Putin is, is dialing up the threats to try to deter us from giving Ukraine all that they need. And remember, we haven't given Ukraine, you know, the air defense that they need. They haven't, we haven't given them uh, fighter aircraft, obviously. We haven't given them long-range artillery. And so Vladimir Putin has got very few options left. You know, he's mobilized what he could of, of Russia's population that hasn't fled already. Uh, he's illegally annexed some of the four of Ukraine's uh, regions, and then he's dialing up the nuclear threat. So that's kind of what's going on here. And the key for the Biden administration is not to blink. You know, and, and that's why I think that the two phone calls we saw over the weekend between Secretary Austin and Russia's beleaguered defense minister Shoigu are important because I'm sure they discussed this. Yeah. And do you have a sense now that maybe Moscow realizes a negotiated settlement is going to be a much better outcome than the path that they're on? Is this maybe Russia blinking that? I was surprised by those phone calls because there had been so little engagement for a long period of time. Is this a sign that maybe the Russians are ready to make a concerted effort at having a piece of dialogue? They might be interested in that. But President Zelensky has come out uh, in recent uh, days saying that Look, Ukraine isn't isn't done. Uh, they want their territory back. They want to go back to their 1991 border, which means Crimea and the Donbass. And and frankly, you know, Russia has committed so many atrocities, killed so many Ukrainian civilians, blown up maternity wards and hospitals and schools, and forced uh, millions of Ukrainians out of their homes, millions of people displaced internally and outside of Ukraine. It's such a humanitarian catastrophe that I don't think Zelensky could remain as president if he doesn't allow his military just to finish the job. That I think Ukraine wants to do that. And I think we're going to hit the muddy season in, in, a, in a couple of weeks here. But once the ground gets uh, cold and more firm in the wintertime, Ukraine is going to resume their offensive. And it's going to be a tough slog uh, this winter. And, you know, we'll see how it goes. But Ukraine has the upper hand in terms of morale, fighting for their territory that is rightfully theirs. Uh, and Vladimir Putin, Russia's not at any risk here, even though Putin would claim that it is. Um, but Putin's, you know, iron grip on the Kremlin is, is definitely at risk. And that's what makes this a dangerous time in our history. Yeah, it is remarkable. And it's also Russia's 
really, I think, barbarically now attacking civilian outlets to make the civilians of Ukraine the victims of this war as opposed to military installations, which is normally all the attacks on the water electric grid are designed to harm civilians. Does that come back to haunt Putin at the UN and when it comes to crimes against humanity? I just don't think it's going to influence Ukraine's will to fight. You know, we saw that the Nazis do that, you know, to the UK and, and it didn't alter their will to fight either. Yeah. Uh, and I think Putin knows that, but he's trying to play to his own ultra nationalist base that is wondering why this special military operation that Putin claimed would would topple Kiev's government in days hasn't succeeded. You know, and so. But one of the things, to get back to the earlier point we were making, uh, one of the things we used to talk about at CIA, our analysts talk about, is historical placement, meaning when you look at a leader, for example, George Herbert Walker Bush fought in the Second World War and looked at Saddam's invasion of Kuwait in terms of that war and said, we're not going to appease Saddam, uh, just as you know we failed when we appeased Hitler. And in the case of President Biden, Putin looked at Biden and said, here's a guy who was just about 20 years old during the Cuban Missile Crisis. I'm going to play on the president's fear of what President Biden has said, World War III, Armageddon. That's giving Putin kind of uh, adding throwaway to Putin's rhetorical brinkmanship. Yes, and I, it is. Frankly, if I, were, if I were to be asked by the White House, I'd say, please, Mr. President, message discipline, don't do that. Um, talk about it privately, but don't don't act like this is something you're concerned about um, publicly like that, because you're going to give Vladimir Putin what he wants. And we just need to tell the Russians that if they were to launch a tactical nuclear weapon, we would respond forcefully. That's Article 5, using a nuclear weapon on European soil. But we don't need to to, to kind of uh, subject ourselves to the fear mongering, you know, that Putin is is trying to impose upon us. Yeah, exactly. And not to play into it. That's a really good advice. And I think it has frustrated some people, even in the Biden side of the administration, who want to keep that message disciplined because it is so important. I want to shift for a second to China and Taiwan. There are these reports out there from military officials that it could happen in the next year, an invasion of Taiwan. Your assessment of the likelihood of that, and two, has the Biden administration really prepared the region to show our resolve should Taiwan come under attack? You know, um, yeah, I'll tell you what, alarm bells have got to be ringing yep. about Beijing's intentions towards Taiwan for a couple of reasons. First, Admiral uh, Mike Gilday uh, was talking about how China might decide to invade Taiwan, you know, even by the end of this year or next year. That's a pretty big deal. It is. Uh, and if that's the truth, then we haven't deterred China, just like we failed to deter Russia. The other thing is that Xi Jinping has pretty much subordinated everything, uh, that is economic growth, for example, to begin with, to just maintaining um, his dictatorship over communist China. And it was kind of chilling the way they removed Hu Jintao from, from the meeting there. And, and they could have not shown that on TV, but they chose to. Uh, so, you know, Xi Jinping has said that, that China's goal is to reunite Taiwan. And if they have to do it to back to the, you know, to the mainland, and if they have to do it with military means, they're going to do it. Uh, and I wonder whether there's, you know, an economic price that would be too high for Xi to, to recalculate. So right now for the United States, it's, it's about ensuring Taiwan has what they need. We failed to do that with Ukraine. If you're saying the war could be coming, just like we did when Russia had their troops on the border and we kept declassifying intelligence about the war that was going to happen. Yep. Okay, well then do something about it. Don't just give Zelensky a plane and say, you can fly yes. out now, which thankfully he declined. 
don't give that equivalent of that airplane to Taiwan to allow their leadership to leave. No, give them what they need, the, the coastal air defense and the other asymmetric military uh, capability that they need to defend themselves so that China sees an attack as too costly in terms of spilled blood, mostly spilled blood, but some spilled treasure as well. I, I, I think that's something that, that, you know, the Congress needs to look at, frankly, with, with oversight. And, and maybe we'll see that after the midterms. I don't expect, obviously, to see anything in the coming uh, couple of months, though. The failed deterrence, the inability of the United States to deter acts of aggression. North Korea has been firing missiles all year. China's saber rattling and, and clearly uh, has its eyes on Taiwan. Russia does its stuff. Iran is uh, even in the middle of what were supposed to be negotiations, constantly poking us in the eye with its aggression. The failure of deterrence seems to be a hallmark of this administration. Why is that? What aspect of their foreign and national security power has failed to create even some you know, places where we've always had deterrence in the past? I, I think, too, I mean, it's frankly like successive administrations have failed at times to deter our enemies. Uh, there's no deterring a terrorist, for example. That's a good point. Uh, they're going to launch when they can launch. And it's very hard to deter a non-state actor. Uh, we failed time and time again to take the sort of action we would need to take against Iran to deter them. That's why. For many in the intelligence community and the U.S. military, the Trump administration's strike against uh, Abu Mahandas and, and against Soleimani, um, you know, was a major um, step in the right direction in terms of deterring the Iranians from, you know, Iran's the largest state sponsor of terrorism in, in the history of the planet. Um, and North Korea has been, you know, they've been launching their ballistic missiles uh, tests and many feel like they're on the precipice of launching a nuclear test as well. Very hard to deter the North Koreans from doing all that testing. There is an element of deterrence we gain by having 50,000 troops in South Korea uh, so that you know North Korea wouldn't run right over the border and do what Russia's doing, frankly, to, to use the threat of a nuclear attack as, you know, as, as nuclear blackmail to take South Korea's uh, territory. Uh, but you know, this is why I think the issue, like for this administration, they wanted originally, I think, to pivot to Asia. There's no pivoting. We've got to do everything. I'm sorry to say that we got Iran as a nuclear threshold state. We got North Korea and China and Russia's invaded Ukraine. And, and you know, we've made the, the terrorist problem worse because now there's a whole lot of ungoverned space for ISIS and Al-Qaeda in Afghanistan. Uh, there's no shortage of mission, you know, for the U.S. military and the intelligence community to try to keep our people safe. And uh, it takes a, an all of government approach to make that happen uh, and a commitment. And if you read our national security strategy, I think it takes more hard power, um, you know, more of a, of a military capability than just uh, some of the soft power solutions the administration had. Yeah. And there, there seems to be in our hard power capabilities, some shortages, some alarming shortages. We're short on missiles, even though we knew we were going to be sending these things to Ukraine. The lack of attention to some of the hard power scenarios, we got troop recruitment problems. Is it fixable? And how do we let some of that slide? So I think that's where the House and Senate, you know, the Armed Services Committee, they, they need to focus on this and ensure that we're building up our arsenal to what it needs to be. And we, kind of, we, we need to do more. We're giving Ukraine a lot. We're the arsenal of the democracy, and that's a really good thing. But, yep. but there's more to be done and also more for our, for our European allies to do. So it's, it's us. It's them. I kind of like to see the commitment to a strong defense that we saw when I was a kid during the 1980s. Um, you know, then we built it up and we had it 
to the extent that we might have needed it or not needed it. But there's no question we need it now. I mean, China is is threatening Taiwan and Taiwan needs what we've been giving Ukraine. And there's a shortage of all of that. So we need we need a buildup. And I'm sorry to say it's going to cost some money. It's not cheap. But I'll tell you what's a lot more expensive. Uh, a Chinese China's war on, on Taiwan would have it would be extraordinarily costly to the world economy, given that all the semiconductors are made in Taiwan and the risks to our best allies in the region, Japan, Australia, uh, you know, trade would, would be very difficult for us. If China were to take over Taiwan, that whole region uh, would be practically closed to us. So, you know, we need to, to spend now so we don't spend more later uh, in terms of, you know, our own spilled treasure uh, and, and, President Biden talked about, you know, actually intervening in a war. That would be pretty, pretty costly. I don't think anybody wants to do that. Best to deter China, peace through strength. That's kind of what we need to be doing. You wrote a column a couple of weeks ago and it really caught my attention. I made a little note of it. I want to ask you about it because one of the lost arts, I think, in modern American security is owning the narrative, reclaiming the narrative. Mr. You know, when you look at Vladimir Putin, you see a guy who always is dictating the narrative. Oh, I might use nukes tomorrow. You know, he has all these different things. But owning the narrative and reclaiming it and recapturing it is a very important part of the ability to deter. Why have we lost the ability to own public narrative? Is it unique to this president or has it been really over the last few presidencies? I remember to go back to the Reagan administration, uh, Secretary Schultz, who was a master at owning the narrative. He sure was. One of the great secretaries of state I think we've ever had. And I, I, I just think this is the job of our most senior diplomat, Tony Blinken. He needs to say, hey, look, um, the, the Russian motherland is not at any risk. Russia has invaded a Ukraine and it's illegally annexed Ukraine's territory. Russia is raining down hell on Ukraine's civilians. We will continue to provide Ukraine the support they need to defend themselves against Russia. This is not a proxy war. We're not fighting Russia. We're just helping Ukraine uh, to protect its territorial integrity, which is enshrined in the United Nations. There you go. I sound like a diplomat. But that's important. That is important. Yeah. Because you can't let the Russians get away with this. And also, don't frame this uh, as as democracy, as us standing up for democracy, I mean, we're going to lose a bunch of countries that don't care that much about democracy, but do care about when their territorial integrity is violated. So just say, like we did when Saddam invaded Kuwait, we own the narrative then. You know, Secretary Baker, outstanding secretary. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, you know. Colin Powell, right? Yeah. Colin Powell was great. Um, and, and, and President Bush understood it as well. You know, this isn't about standing for democracy, even though we might make that point inside the United States, but outside the United States, it's stand up for the rule for, you know, the territorial integrity of nations. And in that regard, whether you're leaning democracy or not, you deserve to have your own borders. Uh, You know, they should never be violated, which is what Russia's doing, you know, and who can't get on board with that? But not a lot of countries are not on board with um, the support that we're giving to Ukraine. And that's also part of the narrative. It's our soft power. It's our city on a hill in the United States. There should be more of that. And there should be more effective, I think, just more effective messaging. Yeah, that's a really great point. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. And it seems to have been lost on this. In the last few years, particularly, it seems like the American narrative is always an afterthought. It's like we're always reacting to someone else's provocation. It's so interesting to see if Tony Blinken can pick up that slack and actually move the narrative out there. Last question I want to ask you, because there's an irony to Vladimir Putin's aggression, which is it exposed his military for being far weaker, more corrupt, and less strategically capable than I think even the United States thought. But he's also alienated all of the people around him. Some who used to be his friends that aren't and others who've always distrusted him and now have the proof why they distrusted him. No matter how the Ukraine war ends, the dynamic in Eastern Europe has been forever changed. As long as Vladimir Putin's in, in power, what damage has he done to himself and how does he navigate that damage in the near future? So I'll tell you what he failed to do is he failed to take a lesson from Stalin. You know, when, when Stalin knew that war was on the horizon, um, he purged his leadership. I mean, he killed a lot of them. He was responsible for like 25 million deaths in the Soviet Union. But he lopped off his senior military leadership and intelligence leadership. And he knew that, that the Soviet Union would be weaker as a result, but he also knew that he wouldn't be at risk. His regime would not be at risk. Putin had so much hubris, thought that he could defeat Ukraine in a matter of days. And again, Putin's not a military planner, and he was you know, a lieutenant colonel in the KGB, so it's not like he was a senior guy. Um, he got to where he is um, because he was pretty subservient uh, and, and knew how to Yeltsin and knew how to navigate Russia's bureaucracy. Um, but he didn't purge his own ranks, you know, beforehand. So now he's got a bunch of guys. First of all, Shoigu is not a very good minister of defense. He's got no military experience, so they're not effective. But these guys are in power and, and they kind of look at Vladimir Putin and he looks at them and they kind of realize somebody's going to have to go here. And that makes um, both sides a little bit nervous. The inner circle and Putin uh, makes them less effective. And where do we go from here? And I'll just tell you, from my experience, like nothing ever gets better in Russia. If you think it's getting better, I'm sorry, it's not. <laughs> that's just unimaginably worse is the way I usually describe things with Russia. And that's just based on the many years I, I lived there. Um, and, and I thought that my imagination was good enough usually to predict how much worse things could be. But, you know, I just think that if Putin does go, it, let's not assume it's going to get any better for the rest of the world. And that, that's the concern, I think, that we all have to have. The Biden administration needs to be thinking about that. Yeah, that's exactly right. That is such an important development right now. That's where they got to be thinking if they're going to play ahead of the game finally, because they've been behind the game for a long time. Now's the time to start to get ahead of some of these moves. Dan Hoffman, it is always an honor to have you on the show. You always make sense of things and you always, you know, a lot of us, it's so easy to read the top line and think, well, we know what's going on. But so much of what goes on, particularly in Eastern Europe, is below the, the top line. And that subtlety is what you always bring out in such a great way. It's such important stuff. I really appreciate the time today. Wow, my pleasure. Thanks, my friend. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. Hey folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. 
You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. I'm so lucky to work with an incredible group of reporters at Justin News. They're doing such important work every day. One of the areas that we do a lot of cutting edge and leading edge stuff is in the area of election integrity. And that, Pete, belongs to my next colleague, Natalia Middlestad, who has done such a good job. And over the last few days, there have been some pretty big developments on election integrity all around the country, and she's been on top of all of them. Joining us right now, my amazing colleague, Natalia Middlestad. Natalia, good to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Over the weekend, big news out of New York State, a ruling that's a little bit consistent with what we saw like in Wisconsin several months ago. Judges in the court saying you can't make up law and allow people to vote by absentee just because they're afraid of COVID. If the Constitution or laws aren't changed, you just can't do it out of fear. How big a deal is this ruling in New York? Um, It's very significant, yes. Like you said, it's very similar to the Wisconsin Supreme Court ruling where uh, they said that Voters couldn't say they were indefinitely confined um, due to COVID, and so it's somewhat similar here um, with the uh, Saratoga County Supreme Court Justice, who um, said that basically how she put it was that the New York uh, state election law was, quote, in an Orwellian perpetual state of health emergency and cloaked in the veneer of, um, quote, unquote, voter enfranchisement. So um, she saying it just does not make any sense to um, keep having this health emergency go on in perpetuity um, when, you know, we're two years after COVID began and life's gone back to normal pretty much. Yeah, pretty amazing. And it seems like the courts have been pretty consistent on this issue. All right, I get we had a pandemic, they'll say the courts, but you still have to follow the law. We don't throw the law out the window just because we have a pandemic. And the more we move out of the pandemic and more to return to normalcy, the tougher I think the courts have been. There was another important ruling over the weekend. Republican National Committee win a big ruling in Michigan. Tell us what happened there. Yep. So uh, the RNC had sued uh, Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson in Michigan, and that was regarding restrictions placed on poll challengers. So um, the RNC said that there was last-minute new credential form that poll challengers had to fill out, and um, Michigan was also making it more difficult for poll challengers um, when it came to emergency situations by creating an artificial deadline for them to be appointed. And they're also restricting uh, or we're going to restrict uh, poll workers uh, or which poll workers that the poll challengers could communicate with. Um, so, 
ignore to um, keep all these new restrictions uh, affecting the November election. The RNC sued and um, they were the court ruled in their favor. Um, so this will not um, affect the midterm elections. Yeah. And that goes to 2020 because there were concerns in Michigan about the way poll watchers were treated, particularly in places like Detroit. So it's really interesting to see the proactive way that Republicans are acting this time. That seems to be one of the lessons. I think I saw a story this morning. The RNC has filed dozens and dozens of lawsuits challenging things in advance of the 2022 election. Whereas in the past, I think in the 2020 election, they were trying to litigate things after the election occurred. There seems to be more of an offense in some of the Republican and conservative groups' efforts. Uh, Eric Cardall, or one of the groups up in Wisconsin, you know, made sure that there was no doubt about drop boxes not being allowed to be used in the big urban areas. Offense seems like it's the defense for Republicans this time around. Does that seem right? Yeah, I definitely think uh, you're right with that, that they're you know, finally going on the offense, it seems, where instead of waiting until after the election, they're gone beforehand. And I think that's probably because they saw what happened with 2020, where they tried to do lawsuits after the fact, and um, they were having difficulties getting those through. So um, I think now they're realizing, okay, we got to make sure the laws are fair and uh, being followed, and that they're in place ahead of the election. Otherwise, it'll be very difficult to get a court to um, rule on things after the fact. Yeah, really, really important. One of the areas that I think you've done such a great job uh, highlighting is the need to clean up voter rolls. And there are these suits in Wisconsin. But there's a big one you wrote about maybe about a month ago, or maybe it was earlier this month, actually, in Minnesota, over duplicate registered voters. Pretty remarkable numbers found by the Public Interest Legal Foundation. The activists who care about integrity really focused on dirty voter rolls, aren't they? Yes, that's for sure. Yeah. And um, Minnesota, with, uh, there were six different lawsuits um, in different counties in Minnesota where there were over 515 uh, duplicate registrants found uh, by the Public Interest Legal Foundation. And um, in one case, I believe, well, this one wasn't specifically with um, Michigan, but um, one of the um, duplicate voters that Pil- uh, Public Interest Legal Foundation has found um, in Pittsburgh had registered se- or registered to vote several seven times and um, I think some of them in the 515 registrants or duplicate registrants in um, Minnesota, a couple of them had voted more than once. Um, and so that was an issue that um, PILF had found and um, had sued over that. In addition to, um, they also found in New York that there were 3.1 million vote, uh, registered voters that had mis- missing personal identifying information like driver's license number or social security number, um, which also makes it difficult for maintaining voter rolls. And so, um, yeah, Public Interest Legal Foundation is really focusing on the um, different um, different states that are not uh, being on, as on top of cleaning their voter rolls as they're supposed to be under the Federal Help America Vote Act. And so um, they've been pushing that. I mean, we kind of, if we can't keep our voter rolls clean, what are we going to be able to do? But you've done a great job. J. Christian Adams, the former voting rights chief from the Justice Department, leads that group. And he's long said that, listen, good election integrity starts with good voter rolls. And he's really pushing the envelope to make sure we get these things cleaned up. Going to be an interesting dynamic. One last set of questions, because in addition to all the great work you've done on election integrity coverage here, you also have done an awful lot to cover the Durham trials, particularly the last one 
involving Igor Danchenko. You had a really great story this morning because when you take all of the disparate pieces of evidence that Durham kind of snuck in in a court filing, in a cross-exam, in a redirect, you get a sense that the FBI's counterintelligence capabilities, the very things they were trying to improve after the Robert Hansen spy scandal, they had a spy among themselves that they didn't detect for years and years. They said they were going to clean it up, but there are a lot of little hints that that you know, Russian counterintelligence unit still has some of the same flaws. Tell us a little bit what you found this morning. Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, as you mentioned, uh, from 1979 to 2001, Robert Hansen was uh, basically a spy for Russia within the FBI um, at various points throughout that time frame. And um, it took a while for the FBI to figure out it was him. And um, despite, you know, finding that and the uh, DOJ attorney general, not attorney general, inspector general, um, basically saying, all right, these are where uh, the FBI misstepped or uh, protocols they didn't follow or whatever. Um, even still, as we saw with Igor Danchenko, um, you know, some 10, 15 years later, um, the FBI has still um, missed key red flags, such as the um, investigation that went into Danchenko in two th- around 2008-2010 um, regarding the possibility of him being a Russian spy uh, when it came to the FBI looking at him as making him an informant, uh, confidential human source, as they call it. Um, they kind of dismissed that prior investigation because it had been closed because they thought he was out of the country when he actually was still in the U.S. Um, so there is that in addition to um, some other issues with um, the human validation unit that also alerted the FBI to um, to that fact about the um, investigation into Danchenko. And so um, it seems like the FBI has maybe still um, some work to – some room to improve with regard uh, to handling the informants that they have and watching out for warning signs about them. Yeah, pretty amazing. And the funny part about, or perhaps the most tragic part or the most red alarm part is that when they were first investigating Igor Danchenko as a possible Russian asset, they had very good intelligence, right? The intelligence was he was going about indicating he might be willing to pay people particularly those going into the Obama administration for access to classified information. By the way, that's a classic spy tactic, right? They shut down that investigation, according to Durham's court filings, because they wrongly thought Igor Danchenko had left the country and therefore didn't pose a threat. In fact, he hadn't left the country. I mean, that's kind of spy 101 stuff if you can't even determine if the guy's in your country or not. Were you surprised by some of the sloppiness that Durham actually unmasked with the Russian counterintelligence group? Yeah, that was definitely something uh, Durham was really hitting home when he was redirecting uh, on his FBI witnesses during the trial was um, following up with them being like, even for example, with Brian Otten, who was, you know, a supervisory intelligence analyst on Crossfire Hurricane. He's like, wait a minute, you were using um, uncorroborated information from the Steele dossier in um, the FISA warrant against Carter Page and um, with uh, Ganchenko's handling agent, Kevin Helson, you know, dismissing the um, validation unit, noting the investigation that previously been opened on Danchenko. Um, there was a, there were a variety of issues that um, Durham brought to light. And I mean, even with the um, Steele dossier and the FBI offering him uh, Christopher Steele up to $1 million for um, information corroborating anything in the Steele dossier, and he wasn't even able to do that. So, um, so yeah, there were a lot of holes um, in the investigation, it appears that. The FBI just kind of 
pass by. Yeah, it's a head scratcher, but it certainly was interesting to see. And I think a warning sign, if there is a new Congress next year and new chairman in charge of the Judiciary Committee in the House and Senate, getting back to these issues and realizing there are just fundamental execution problems inside the FBI counterintelligence program could be a very important oversight issue for Congress should parties change hands in the fall election. Natalia, always awesome to have you on. I enjoy your reporting every day. We're so lucky to have you on Just the News. Thanks for bringing us up to speed on both FBI integrity and election integrity. Good conversation. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Yeah, a lot of fun. All right, folks, we'll take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. All right, folks, welcome back. A big thank you to Dan Hoffman and to Natalia Middlestout. Two very insightful, newsy, fact-driven interviews. Always appreciate when we have subject experts just like that. That's why we have this podcast. We can have an honest discussion about facts and leave it to you to make up your mind. We're not here to influence you. We're here to give you facts and let other people, yourselves, make up your mind for yourselves. That's what we really want to do. All right, folks, we'll be back tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Remember to check justthenews.com whenever you need a news fix. We've got you covered 24-7. All right, we'll be back tomorrow. Good night, folks. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner. Whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite, you and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. 
there, it's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, experts, politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey.